How's it going tonight, Drew? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's good. It's raining. Yeah, it's raining. We've been here for four hours already. I ain't got shit done. Yeah, just been talking mad shit. <laughs> oh, you! I forget you're dipping pouches. Man, all right. Don't put that out there in the airwaves. <laughs> oh, my bad. No, all right. So, trying to quit. Uh-huh. And this is like the first step to quitting. <laughs> well. Dip the crappy stuff first. <laughs> well, well, the reason I said that, well, I, I exclaimed was because it just looked like wet dip at first. Like, I thought you just had a can of, like, dip that had been wet and you were still going to dip it. Like, just, like, clumps of, uh. Drew I've got a little money put back. <laughs> I know. That's why I was about to be like, you need some hip, buddy? <laughs> like, I got it. Here's a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I got you a dollar. Because <laughs> like, it looked like, at first glance, I went on a like, family vacation with my dad and them one time, and we went to uh, Schlitterbahn. Where's that at? It's in uh, New Braunfels, Texas. Oh, yeah. And it's just like this big water park. There's a few other ones, but this was like the original one. And... Um, he left the dip can in his like swim trunk pocket, there, yeah. and he was on the lazy river. But like they don't sell it in the park, yeah. obviously. And he couldn't get more. And I mean, he's hardcore, been doing it forever. So he just like took it out and was just like looked in disgust, but like dipped it anyways. He did spine cut, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Man, but yeah, he. Uh, but he's a cowboy, though. <laughs> yeah, like I always, my grandma always talks about like I guess. Because my grandpa did it, and he used to give them, like, him and my aunt, like, dips when they were kids, and yeah. he would always get sick when he was a kid off of it, I guess. I guess the first time I ever took a dip, I was, like, six or seven. Really? And it was nasty, but I didn't get sick. <laughs> the only time that I've ever got sick was, like, you know, the first part of summer when, like, your body's not used to the heat? Uh-huh. We went out and built bits one day, using, like, that sucker rod, yeah. and just, like, tapped them together, you know with a welder talk about hot right so it's like it's already hot outside you're like right there by a welder that pipe's hot all this stuff and I was so like my body just <laughs> I just still wasn't, wasn't used to it yet I don't uh-huh. know and I got fucking sick like really it was bad I was like sitting in the truck and my buddy's dad was like you gonna get out and get the gate I was driving in front he's like you can get out and get the gate and I was like fuck you <laughs> <laughs> I was like probably 13 somewhere around there I was young yeah. That was the only time I ever got sick. Like, actually fucking sick. And I was like, I'm probably never going to do this shit again. Like, eight hours later, I was like, can you buy me a can, please? <laughs> well, the one time I tried it was from you, and I got sick. Well, I mean, you know, everybody can't be an all-star. Group, yeah, no. yeah, I mean... I've always said that. <laughs> I had my few times of, like, using Chew after that. Like Red Man, but I couldn't have regular Red Man because it tasted so much like that Red Seal you gave me that I got sick off of. Yeah, man, it tastes. So I had to get like the golden Red Man, like the bag. Yeah, Levi Garrett's like the best. Yeah, I could do that. I, but... I remember I had because I in college I had my few times of like, oh, I like this because Chew is like good, but it makes me real lightheaded. Man, I mean, like I can smoke the like really big cigars and stuff, and it doesn't affect me at all. But like when I first started dipping, I used to steal my dad's cans uh-huh. and. I would steal his cans, you know, like, Mom, she would go buy him a can or whatever. She'd buy him, like, a, a roll or whatever, you know. She'd buy it, and she'd just throw it on the table whenever she got home. Dad would go get him a can out of it, and then he would either come back later and put it in the, in the freezer to keep it, you know, preserved, or he would just leave it there for a little while. I'd come back behind him, <laughs> take a can, and if he didn't have it in the freezer already, I'd put it in the freezer. And if uh-huh. he already had it in the freezer, I'd just still take a can and just go on. But, uh... 
it got to where she would just buy him like two, maybe maybe two cans at a time, but she would leave it in the car. So, answer it. We're getting a call, folks. Hello. Yeah. All right. Well, sorry guys. We uh got a call from from my grandpa. Yeah, and uh, apparently there's a good chance for a tornado up, up the road about a mile from us. And uh, we've got crazy weather going on. Uh, we're looking at the news right now. That I think there's actually a tornado on the ground near Porter, um, which is how, how how far away is that from here? Oh, <laughs> not that far. Spitting distance. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, it looks to be far enough ahead of us that we can still bust this out and record. Um, Under great duress. <laughs> yeah, we were going to go to the cellar and record, but nah. <laughs> <laughs> we're rebels. It'll be funny. I know you hate it when we talk about this, but since we're like pre-recording, <laughs> so they're going to get this and be like, when was the tornado? <laughs> <laughs> that was three weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, that looks pretty nasty. Anyway, all right. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome to the weather hour. Yeah. <laughs> D-Brain and D-Crab. Um, so, who the, who the hell are we talking about right now? Because all I see is tornadoes. and We're talking about uh, Richard Speck. <laughs> Mr. Tin Man. Mr. Tin Man. <laughs> yeah, we'll go. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> As you can see, I don't have any notes. <laughs> yeah, I have my notes, which I put like big stars next to places I wanted to talk about. Yeah, which is good because I don't remember why I put stars there. Um, I'm sure it's something interesting. I'm sure. <laughs> very interesting. Um, all right, well, pretty much, all right, Richard Speck, he was born de- all right, December 6, 1941. Yep. Uh, the day before Pearl Harbor. Um, <laughs> he said in one of his jailhouse interviews that I was born December 6, and all hells broke loose ever since then. <laughs> this, I, this man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the audacity of this man. <laughs> he is like, when you think of someone who... Really would have like I enjoy Leonard Skinner, <laughs> but he just makes me think of like an evil Leonard Skinner member. <laughs> there's just somebody who about, took it too far. Yeah, there's just like something about him. Yeah, um, go ahead and lead into it, and I'll follow up. <laughs> All right, so he was born in a place called Kirkwood, Illinois. Uh, he was the seventh of eight children from Benjamin and Mary Speck. And after his birth, the family soon moved to, like, Monmouth? I think it's, yeah, it's I think, Monmouth. I think it's how you say it. It's how it's yeah. spelled. Yeah. Monmouth, Illinois. Um, I was going to be like, Mammoth, Mammoth, Massachusetts. <laughs> the first time I've seen it, I was like, Mammoth, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, and from all reports that I was able to read, uh, as a kid, it didn't really seem like there was anything too weird about him. Um, he was, like, shy and stuff, but, I mean, most kids under the age of six normally are. But um, he was very close with his father. Um, they used to just go fishing, just the two of them together, and that was like his personal time, like with his dad, you know, alone. Um, had a really close relationship with his father. Um, his father passed away whenever he was six. Yeah. Um, from a heart attack. Yeah, he yeah. passed away from a heart attack, like in his early fifties. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> leads to. Uh, one of my favorite things I've ever read in the course of research for this show. <laughs> a few years later, his mom remarried to a man named Carl Lindbergh. He had a, like a bunch of like middle names, which I didn't really put him in. 
um, just because. They're irrelevant. Yeah, but... That's the pig leg man? Yes, he was described as a hard-drinking and pig-legged man who yeah. had a 25-year-long criminal record. Yeah, he, had a, he, was a, he was a crook. Now, what's weird is, like, wasn't his mom, like, hardcore, like, not yeah. against, like, drinking? Yes, yeah, so they called her, like, a teetler, however you say it. Yeah. Like, they, she didn't drink. She was, I think, fairly religious. Like, not in, like, a weird, like, Ed Gein's mom <laughs> like, religious that's what I was, way. Because, like, I remember... You know, he goes through the course of his life, and he, like, doesn't really like his mom. But yeah. after he, like, starts getting into, like, these this petty crime, like, his mom bails him out every time. And, like, they yeah. develop, like, this close relationship. I'm just like, huh. He kind of values her like Ed Gein did. That's yeah. cute. Just, no. just not quite on the same level as yeah. old Eddie Gein. <laughs> no. but, we'll but, jump into that later, though. Yeah. But, um, you know, it said... I mean, I don't imagine it'd be fun living with a hard-drinking, peg-legged criminal. Man, to be completely honest with you... I mean, if you're if you're a young kid, like these, like your first like fifteen years, like that molds you. I mean, <laughs> you, I mean, you don't reach the like who you're going to be until you're like twenty five or twenty six. But those early years are pretty important. And if you've got like just some asshole that's you know just a dick all the time and peg legged for one, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like peg legged, drunk off his ass all the time. Yeah, I mean, he didn't like him. No, neither one of them liked each other. I mean, I'm sure it was. Pretty tough for little Richard. Yeah, I wrote down that he, like, he was known to be vocally and psychologically abusive to Richard Speck. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I didn't really read anything about, like, any physical abuse. I mean, I imagine he's a peg-legged man. Yeah, I mean, like, what are you going to do? I mean, come on. Yeah, come, go ahead and come at me. I'll kick your peg. Come at me, bro. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> like, kick, I'll kick your peg out from underneath you. But, um, no, he, they had moved to Texas, though, right? And his, yeah, it was like his a... Family, his, like sisters and brothers they stayed behind well it was like I I don't know if maybe there was an old enough siblings he like finished out like second grade or something in Monmouth Mon- Monmouth <laughs> and um, then they wound up moving to Texas <clears throat> but like she had moved with her husband and he stayed behind to finish that grade and I'm guessing with like an older sister and then moved to Texas after that yeah. school year was over now how, how long was it between his father dying and her marrying that new guy? Uh, about three years. Three years. Okay, well, that's, that's long enough. Yeah, they had a few I years. I mean, I don't know how long they knew each other before they got married. Yeah, um, true. But, yeah, they were married about three years later. Um, but, yeah, I just really like saying something about a man being peg-legged. Yeah. Like, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't fun for Richard Speck. But, um... You or know, the peg-legged guy. I mean. Yeah, <laughs> who wants to be the peg-legged yeah. man? Um, but the thing about Richard Speck, and I don't want to like reveal so much at, too much at the start, but he's a little bit different from anybody else we've talked about because he isn't classified as a serial killer. He's a mass murderer. Yeah. Because he committed his big crime all in one. Yeah. Shot, but he had a really long history <coughs> of just like petty crimes. Yeah. Uh, he started out really small, you know, and escalated. But now, like, where where a lot of this stuff starts, though, he's around 15 and he starts drinking heavily. At the age of 16, he drops out of school. Um, and that's kind of like, he, like, takes a step up from there. He, uh, you know, starts, I mean, what is it? Thievery, I mean. Yeah, basically just, like, petty <coughs> theft. Yeah, I mean, just, he's just, like, stealing shit, yeah. going to place, you know drunk in public <laughs> yeah a lot of it was like disturbing the peace and yeah stuff like that you know and um I can't remember if he like 
he like really he beat the crap out of this one guy. I mean, this is a little bit later. I mean, this is kind of like I mean, it might be in his late teens, early twenties, but he beats the crap out of this guy. Uh-huh. I'm not sure if that guy dies, but like they get into a, this big altercation, and he, I mean, I think he beats him close to death. I think that's what it was. But you know what? He gets like. A ten dollar fine for it, for basically like this. <laughs> yeah, like, he stabs him. I think I had yeah I had read that he like stabbed a guy and basically they talked it down to like a disturbing the peace, which was like a ten dollar fine. Was that the one where he like didn't pay the fine? Yeah, he didn't so pay he... the fine. He served three days in jail <laughs> yeah. for stabbing this guy. Which like today you'd be put up for like it'd be like assault. Or yeah, like, I mean it'd be if you're in Britain, it's like great bodily harm. <laughs> it's like the term for assault. But um. I mean, this is, I can't, I mean, we've talked about a lot of people so far, and me and Drew have talked about it a lot. We haven't put it, I mean, everybody we've talked to on the air yet, but he gets away with a lot of stuff. I mean, he's, you know, getting in trouble, going to jail, and he, you know, his mother ends up bailing him out, or the, but like the cops are, you know, the... They kind of give him, you know, like they talk it down, give well, it kind yeah, of and a there break. Were, and there was another, there was another one where he should have been in jail for like basically two years, and well, they, yeah, that was like a clerical error. Yeah, and they dropped the ball on that one, and he yeah. ends up getting out within like six months. Yeah, because it was like he had been on parole, then got picked back up, and he should have served like two years, but due to a clerical error, they let him out <coughs> when the six-month parole period was up. So gotcha. then he was just like out free. Yeah, and I mean, and this isn't like, okay, well, I have a cool-down period. This is, okay, I just got out of jail. Let's go fuck some shit up. Yeah. So, I mean, he's just going right back out and doing the same thing. And he's getting off easy. Which, I mean, he's not, like, going out and killing people yet. But he get, He's getting slaps on the wrist for, you yeah. know, like, he pulled his stunt. You were talking about it earlier before we started recording about him, like, stealing all those cigarettes. Yeah. And then selling them in the parking lot or a little motherfucker, too, because he breaks in and, like, robs this, was it, like, a supermarket or yeah, it was a probably grocery like, store or something like that. Yeah, just a general store at the time. Yeah, he steals, like, 67 cartons of cigarettes. The next day... He sells them in the park. He's selling these cigarettes in the same parking lot of where he stole the cigarettes from. Yeah. I mean, just like the audacity to, I mean, oh, well, then I'll just get off with it really easy. I, I, that's what I'm thinking it is. But yeah. And now, while he's doing this, and he's still living in Texas, it's like, it's around the Dallas area, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, he eventually meets... He's tw- I think he's 20 or 21. Or yeah, he's like in his early 20s. He meets a girl named Shirley Malone, who's mm-hmm. 15 years old at the time they meet. They met like at the state fair, I think. Yeah. And within three weeks of knowing each other, she's, she's pregnant, pregnant with his kid. Um, I've been trying to have a baby for like seven months now. And <laughs> he, gets, you know, he gets it in three weeks and... He's not. He's not even there for the birth of the kid. What's it? I mean, like <laughs> he's. Yeah, he's supposed to be. It's like serving a jail sentence at the time, or you know. Well, I mean, like yeah, he he's off doing his you know little petty stuff too, and he's either locked up or he just like doesn't fucking show up he's anyway. Out somewhere drunk, because um, they and they eventually they marry. They had the daughter like in 1962, um, but they eventually. Not long after, get a divorce. Yeah. What? See, what happens is, um, he he gets like the thought in his head that she's cheating on him. Uh-huh. From this is that is just what I read, but he gets the thought that she's um, she's cheating on him. Yeah, but the, like there's no physical evidence or any proof that she's <laughs> cheating on him, right? Yeah. So he starts like picking up these girls, right? And he'll like he'll bring them to the house, like 
outside the parking lot or outside the, like the driveway of where they live at and he's like you know kissing up on him or whatever and like he'll laugh and then drive off and then with her sitting there he brings him in the house and is like groping up and fondling him and stuff like that and mm. you know I mean this is still at the point in time where divorce really isn't an option I'm guessing but she just you know she's like you know I'm, I'm sure it's tearing her apart but she's just like she sits there and deals with it and then uh, did you read the one where like they get kicked out of the house for whatever reason and then he they shack up with like this ex-professional wrestler who <laughs> that, was a well, woman well that was later on was it later on cause it's just him that does that that's there. he's not divorced yet oh okay but she's not living with him they're like in the process of a divorce and this lady was a barmaid yeah. at a bar he frequented and yes yeah, she was like a ex-professional well, she, she wrestler was the, she was the owner of the she bar. was the owner of the yeah. bar and, and he um, I think I had it wrote down the name I don't know she like she lets him babysit for her yeah cause she's like a divorced that. woman with a few kids and so he just like becomes you know I don't know the thought process of that it's like I own this bar you pay your tab with mostly unbloody money <laughs> <laughs> you can watch my kids <laughs> yeah I mean you know and this is this is in the 60's so I mean it's not like uncommon for people to be so trustworthy I mean yeah but I honestly I would even I would think it'd be look even weirder in the 60's to have a man watch your kids you know what I'm saying yeah I mean I feel yeah, you're right. I feel like the gender roles of what that people thought were normal they'd be like that's kind of strange you know they probably looked at him as like a loser yeah, oh, you know yeah. if anyone they were probably like oh you can't go get a job working at the factory or the <laughs> other factory <laughs> I mean wasn't quite that bad back then but yep. you know they probably were like why are you why aren't you yep. doing a man's job <laughs> kind of thing and he's he's going through I mean he's still going through you know alcohol he's developing I think um addiction to pills and what have you it's kind of like what bird eggs are now um just like it's a, it's a pill type of, it's speed that's basically all it is but um anyway he's at the bar that this lady works at or owns and he stabs the guy now this now that actually might have been the one where he got the disturbing the peace with that I'm not 100% sure but anyway moves on from moves on from that and I think yeah, it's close to around this time where he moves back to Illinois and lives with his sister. Yeah, basically, he's he gets so much heat on him, he moves to Illinois. Oh yeah, because this is still a time. Well, they put out a warrant for him in Texas, and that's when he, I think that's whenever he leaves. Yeah, his sister so kind of helps him get out and come back <clears throat> to Illinois. So she lives in Chicago. He stays there for a few days, then goes back to Monmouth. <laughs> yeah, Monmouth. Well, she, uh, I believe, she helps him get a job. But like in the meantime of him getting this. What, he's like a seaman or whatever? Yeah. He's like working on a deck or something. Works for the U.S. Marine Merchants or whatever. Something like that, yeah. But it's close around this time when he finds out that his now ex-wife has remarried. Yeah, yeah. it was like two days or you know, a few days after the divorce was finalized. It, was, it, she, it, it, it wasn't too long after, but yeah. I mean, they've got a kid, she needs help, so I... She might have, I don't know. Which that makes me wonder, well, I mean, I guess you can just go to another state. Because, I mean, I'm divorced and... What is it? It's May now? Okay, technically I could get married again, but just like a month and a half ago, I legally in Oklahoma couldn't get married again in Oklahoma. Well, this was the 60s. I don't know if that was... Yeah, I don't know. And it might be a state-by-state thing. Because, I mean, I could go... I could have went to Arkansas and got married if I so chose and then came back. But in the state of Oklahoma, they wouldn't marry me. Oh, wow. 
Um, well, for six months changed. after divorce. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, he uh, he's working for the what'd you say it was the U.S. It's like the U.S. Marine Merchant. He's basically just. I don't really understand what kind of institution this is, <laughs> but you are on a ship and you're called a seaman, yeah. and you, <laughs> yeah. But um, but between this, well, Did you read the appendicitis part, yeah, which we we've we've missed over something. Um, before he shacked up with the with the barmaid back in Texas, the reason he had to flee. Is because um, a week after he was out on parole, he oh my bad. Okay, so the the reason he when he got out on parole the first time he attacked a woman with a seventeen inch blade carving knife in an apartment parking lot, and she screamed. He freaked out and fled, and the police picked him back up. Yeah, yeah. So that was how he wound up, and then that's when they had the clerical error, so he got back out in like six months. Okay. Um, but, um, which is kind of strange to see that, because I guess it's so early on in his career, it, it still bothers him, you know, when someone screams, he, like, he ran away. Oh, yeah, because, like, you, you find, like, most serial killers, they don't get their confidence until, like, two or three kills or whatever. Yeah. So, if there's any altercation to where the victim can scream or, you know, draw attention to the matter going on, they'll normally flee. Yeah, and so that shows early on that he probably hasn't killed anyone at this point. Yeah. Or, I mean, he's at least maybe not women. I mean, he probably got into bar fights and might have killed somebody and that kind of thing. I don't. Yeah, but I, I think if he did, he probably didn't know about it, to yeah. be completely honest with you. But, um, so that, but that's how he gets the heat on him, though, is and then he's he, got... Um, I, well, they put a warrant out for him, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they knew... Like they were looking for him, yeah, and he left due to his past. They were like, "Well, this is it's, it's this man." Yeah, okay, but um, his sister gets him the job as a seaman. Yeah, it, it was like her husband. Basically, her husband is just like, you know what you'd be good at <laughs> being be. on a boat and not near me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you come so, in my house eating my food. <laughs> yeah, um, and I don't know the way my notes read. I believe that this happened before he goes to become a seaman. Um, but you can correct me if, if I'm wrong on this. <laughs> well, I don't have any notes. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's all up in your in your mind, country. It's all up here. <laughs> um, because I want to talk about the burglaries that happened. Okay. Actually, yeah, this is before, now that I'm thinking about it. Because, see, he went to Chicago for a few days because his sister and her husband live in Chicago. Yeah. And then he goes back to the hometown of Monmouth. Mon Let's just call it Mammoth. <laughs> Mammoth. To, to Mammoth, Illinois. Um, and now while he's back home, some burglaries start happening. And one of them that happens is a Mrs. Virgil Harris. She's not home. I don't know where she was beforehand. Oh, yeah. I completely forgot about that one. Um, but she comes home from something, and her house is in the how, middle. How old is she? Uh, like 61. 61, 62. Yeah. So she's a fairly older lady. Um... But she comes in in the middle of this burglary going on, and she says that the guy was polite, and he had, like, a southern drawl, but I don't know how polite you can really be, because he goes on to blindfold her, tie her up, and then he rapes her, and then... Well, he, and he takes that knife out again, and he cuts her sheets, or something like that, and, you know, makes a... Is that how he, like, tied her up? Yeah, that's what he used to tie her up, but... 
I mean, just like the nonchalance about it, like, he was very nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he raped me, but he was nice, though. Yeah. I mean, like, well, I, I hope it wouldn't, I hope it's not like that. But. Yeah. I, I would like to know how that conversation went down, because, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't call someone polite if they just raped me. Yeah. But, I, I which I was telling you this earlier, it's it shows just how much, at this point, that he's starting to ratchet Progress. up. And just kind of how crazy he kind of is because he, um, you know, he broke in to just steal some shit. Mm -hmm. But then when she shows up, he ties her up. And I was telling you, like, he could have just blindfolded her, tied her up, and then left with the stuff he came to steal. But he goes, well, while she's here, I'm going to commit this really terrible act of rape. Yeah, I'm going to take it a step up. Yeah, and I mean, he didn't go in with his intentions to do that. He was just going to steal stuff. But then when the opportunity arose... He took it. He took it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this goes on. And then a week after that attack, a barmaid at a bar called Frank's Place was found dead in an empty hog house behind the tavern. Now, this is one of, one of the ones where... Yeah, he's a hog house builder now. Yeah, he, that. like, had actually helped build this house. Yeah. But um, th- this was one of the ones where he, like, punched her, like, super punched her and she died. Yeah, well, he, and he did this twice, I mean, he did this twice, actually. Yeah. But he would punch him, like, in just the right spot. Yeah. Hard enough that... It ruptured her liver. And she just... Now, he didn't get charged with that one, though. I mean, he didn't get charged with any of this stuff. Well, no. he was the leading suspect, right? Yeah, well, basically, here's... Because this was at a time where you could still just kind of, like, up and leave town, and then it was really hard to find you, because there was no Facebook. No Facebook. No internet. Um, But he frequented the place... It was very sketchy. Yeah. Um, and he left town right after she was found. Like, I think the police had wanted to talk to him, and he kind of says, I gotta go do this one thing. Well, no, what, what had happened was, they came and talked to him, and they're like, alright, don't leave town. Uh-huh. And then they see him, and he's got a suitcase. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm, I'm just going to do my laundry. Mm. And then he leaves. He's never seen by them again. Yeah, but they investigate where he was staying, <laughs> and they find some of the stolen items from Virgil Harris's house. So then they're like, okay, you did at least that. And yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's just been assumed. Everything I've read or heard on research say he punched this woman in the, you know, yeah. and they attribute it to him. I don't know if he's ever confessed to that because he doesn't really like to talk to media, no. well, as but we'll find later. In that jailhouse deal, he does confess. I mean, he does fully confess to the his yeah. big you know his mass murder yeah but and this is where like I mean you could you could possibly tie him into a serial killer if he was actually the person that did this but they uh, they you know kind of claim him as just a mass murder and I think a part of that is because I I mean you know we we kind of have our little joke of like he punched her precisely to get her in the liver but he might not have really planned on her dying. Yeah. You know? But it's just like, how many times have you, like, went up to your buddy or whatever and just, like, put, oh, all right, this goes, we're different from every, like, <laughs> our group of friends, we've came up and just, like, punched each other before just because it's funny. <laughs> but, like, never once have I ever thought about, man, if I punch him, like, in just the right spot, just joking around, he could just, like, fucking drop to the floor <laughs> like that. But, uh, I don't know, like, that's that's pretty crazy. I don't, it it could have happened. Huh? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> So I, I don't know, you know, maybe that maybe they can't prove his intent. 
Yeah. Like, they can't say, well, he meant to kill all those people, but yeah. we can tell that he meant to kill these people. Yep. Um, but, you know, so... But that's why he had to leave his old hometown and go back to Chicago. So he kind of shows up to his sisters and becomes a nuisance to them. And that's whenever he... And that's when they do the semen, you know, they, well, that's when her husband's just like, you know what? Let's the call it, is the life for you. Let's call Well, his stepdad was technically a pig, a, a pig, pig leg, pirate. Yeah. 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 So maybe, it is. maybe they thought, oh, pirates? This is New Day pirates. <laughs> this will work for you. Yeah. No, all right. So he's on the ship for... I don't, it wasn't very long. He um, develops a big pain in his stomach. Um, the nurse on hand or the doctor on hand is like, man, yeah, his appendix are his his appendix is rupturing. So he gets off the boat at the next stop. They get him to the hospital, and they say it was like if you if he wouldn't have been here within like the hour, uh-huh. he would have died. And this is this is where he gets onto the pill part. Oh, really? Yeah, because. He's out for you know whatever like three weeks or something yeah. like that. When he comes back, his deckhand, the you know the one that works with him, is like, man, he came back. He was basically just drunk all the time. He fell off the ship like <laughs> two or three times. Um, like I mean, you know, all this stuff. I mean, he's just like passing out. He's drinking heavily, and then you know then then that's, that's when they find the pills, and they're like, man, you you got to get up. So they fire him, right? Can you imagine? How much of a screw up you have to be that you get fired when you're on the middle of the ocean <laughs> in a boat? Like they can't just go get another guy immediately. <laughs> we'd, we'd rather be shorthanded. Like get with you. let's just go put him in the brig, <laughs> <laughs> and someone else can get mopping duty for yeah. an extra mopping duty for the day. Like but. this is a this man is like a super drunk. Yeah, and you know it's. We'll talk about that later, like during his trial and stuff, on like how much he, de- I guess you would say, like depended on the the booze and all that stuff. But yeah, um, I'm not sure if it's after he's like fired from being a deckhand or if it was before. But he also has a job driving a truck. Yeah, you know, I can't remember what it was. It wasn't think, like a semi or anything. I think it, it was, was. I think that's um, it's either right after because he goes on a couple of different ships. Yeah, because there's a weird thing of. Like, he he wasn't even a full sailor. No. It was like he was a sailor's apprentice. Yeah. And... He's uh, a gopher, really. Yeah, so he's on multiple ships. None of them have good outcomes, obviously. Well, and the last one that he tries to get on, he I think he gets on it. Uh-huh. But, I mean, all these are union-based at the time. You know, this is in the 60s, and it, the union was, I think, booming back then. But um, he gets on and there's somebody else that has like higher seniority than him so he actually gets kicked off of it yeah um and I think that's whenever he gets a job you know driving this truck but I think he works there for like maybe like a month uh-huh. six weeks somewhere around there and he has like five or six accidents yeah in the short time that he was there so he's fired from that job yeah um I think he's also he has he also has a problem during that time of you know showing up drunk or well that was because I had read that thing about the accidents and it was like he had a bunch of accidents but they said they fired him for I think showing up drunk or like just being tardy all the time like, like I would think like if your main job was driving yeah you would get fired for the driving <laughs> yeah but they said that they claimed the reason wasn't <laughs> for the accidents necessarily so this man can't drive. Can't be a seaman. Yeah, he can't be on the boat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's running out of options here. Now, this, but what's interesting, um, because he's he's had these bad chips, <laughs> bad chips, <laughs> these ship experiences, but 
Gene, his brother-in-law, eventually drives... Now, remember this. His sister and brother-in-law are basically kind of wrangling him. Well, now, ain't this a different set of brother and sister-in-law? Or sister and, sister and brother-in-law than the first one? Because I don't know. I don't think that this... I, He's got so many family members. There's not. There's not a lot of really information to pinpoint on like who it actually was. But go anyway. Go I ahead. was pretty sure it was the because he went, he went to Chicago for a few days, yeah. went back to to Mammoth, and when he kind of runs out of there after you know raping and pillaging everybody, he comes back to the same one. I, I believe. Okay. Um, but he, I, I don't know why he's so obsessed with getting him on this ship, <laughs> other than that he just doesn't want him around. Um. He takes him to the National Maritime Union Hiring Hall. Okay, yeah. Well, before that, though, he's sitting... He's, like... He spends, like, three weeks just, like, chilling on the couch and, like, yeah. reading comic books and stuff like that. <laughs> and he's he, like, all right, no. <laughs> Mr. Brother-in-law, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. And he goes out and tries to get him that job again. Because they take him... <laughs> take Mr. Brother-in-law. They take him out there. Um, but, see, this is when he gets jerked around, like... With the seniority thing, yeah. that happens, and then there's another one where he goes over to Indiana, because he's supposed to meet up with some other people and go take a job. He also gets and, heat there too. Well, he he goes, and then they don't um, like the job was no longer valid. Like they're like, oh yeah, you know that position they didn't take another person. So he comes back. So he keeps kind of getting jerked around. But there's this house right next to this union building, which is a uh, house that all these nurses live at. And so he no, keeps. What, where is this one at? The in Chicago. Oh, I see. I thought because I thought you were going back to saying it was in Indiana, and I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that was in Chicago. Yeah, no, it's I in thought, Chicago because yeah, yeah. it's it's the a Chicago. It's basically the, like what OSUIT is. Yeah, and for us. um, so it's it's like you know these these nurses are living in. It's not like a sorority house, from what I understand. It well, just it's seems, the senior house. Okay, so it's just a house on campus that these girls are staying at. But the place that he was having to go to kind of try and get these jobs like is right next to it. Yeah, pretty close. And so that's kind of, you know, and like I said, he's gone to Indiana, which from Chicago to Indiana isn't that far. Hmm. So, you know, he's gone there and he's having to come back. And because he has, you know, ship dreams, <laughs> um, you know, he, he kind of has a falling out with the brother-in-law and the sister. Nothing big, but they're just kind of like, you can't just get out. <laughs> yeah, they're just kind of getting tired of his shit. And so he goes and gets a room at the Shipyard Inn, which is on the east side of Chicago. And on July 13th, 1966, he just, he's checked in, he spends the rest of the day just drinking. Mm-hmm. Just like powerhouse and beer. And he winds up taking a 53-year-old LMA Hooper back to his room at knife point mm-hmm. he rapes her and steals a 22 pistol that she has yeah now he then we got another phone call folks alright well that was my wife uh, we are having a lot of storms going on right now so she was just being like yeah hey where are you at are you okay are you safe I told her that I'm in a trailer house and uh, I'm ready to ride it out <laughs> is my trailer not good enough for you Crabtree I'm here aren't I <laughs> <laughs> um we're, but <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna have to title this from the phone call episode. Yeah, we're, we're well. I guess we have to leave them in now because we're talking about it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyways, so he he takes his gun from that lady, and he leaves 
from what I read, like just completely dressed in black. Oh yeah, he's he dresses up all in black. Now he's still drunk, probably high on the. I mean, I don't I don't really know how intoxicated he is to carry out. I mean, I, I would say he is drunk, but well, he said he'd been drinking all day. We don't know. I'm sure, his tolerance at this point is pretty high. Yeah, probably. But I mean, if you go a few hours without drinking, I mean, depending on like what you were drinking to begin with, you're probably sobered up a little bit. But yeah. um, anyway. So, go ahead, go ahead. I'll let you go ahead and go. Uh, well, so he he leaves and heads back to that house. Now, it it is like just like literally like a block away. Not not even that far. Yeah, I don't think it's because like the place he's at is on east side Chicago, which is also where the campus is and where the house is. So, I don't think it's very far. Okay, because like from, um, from what I said, like, because I watched on the documentary that I watched, which if you want to learn... If you want to see like visual details on <laughs> like the on how this is, look on YouTube for the Richard Speck documentary. I mean, it gives you the same information that we're giving you, but you see you see like the vivid picture and all that. You see but, he just looks kind of creepy. Oh yeah. Sleazy. Mm-hmm. Um, especially later on when he's in the prison video, we'll which get we'll into get that. to at the end. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but he uh, he goes back to that house where all these nurses live. Yeah. And his eight nursing students um and there was i guess their friend was there well at the time whenever he first got there it was there was always seven right because two come home yeah i guess a couple of them come in but um and i want to you know we don't like to make fun of the victims or anything and i you know we're talking about the crimes that this man perpetrated but i would like to read the names of the women who were in the house um and some of them are kind of hard names so sorry if I butcher your name there was well they're passed on Drew so well yeah anyway but um <laughs> it was Gloria Davy, Patricia Matasek Nina Jo Shell, Pamela Wilkin Wilkinin Wilkin well, yeah that's fine <laughs> <laughs> Suzanne Ferris Mary Ann Jordan uh, Merlita Gar. Gargolo and Valentina Pachon. Sounds good. And then there was also a woman named Cora Am- Amiro who actually survives. And Now, wouldn't now she was the one that actually had the first encounter with him, right? I'm not sure. I mean, you I think you know a little bit more about what happened in the house than I do. All right, he knocks on the door or uh, he he's already in the house, but I mean, you I know, this is like a kind of like a apartment complex like I don't really know how to explain it, but yeah. You know, the rooms inside are... Anyway, he comes up to this woman's door and asks, so what's her name? Uh, um, Cora Amuro. Yeah. All right, and now he knocks on the door. Anyway, when she opens the door, he puts the gun on her, and he says, like, take me to your... Compatriots. Comp- yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. And um, now he goes room to room and gets them basically, like, all in this one room. And what's kind of like sadistic in my eyes now he you know he sets them all up I'm guessing like on the couch or furniture or whatever that's in that room um and he just pops a squat right on the floor lights up a cigarette and he's smiling and just kind of relaxing and he takes a drag off a cigarette blows it up he says I'm not gonna hurt you guys I just want your money I've gotta get out of town or something something along those lines Uh and this is kind of where I think like they might let their guards down a little bit yeah but but now they're trained in the nursing school to 
ease situations, kind of like you, because know, they, they have to go like through psychology and stuff like that. So they're trying to ease the situation. Now there's a few of them that are you know talking him down, kind of joking around with him, and trying to get his guard down a little bit so they can you know get themselves out of this situation. Um, now, what there were between between this you know between this time period and the final time period, there's something that happens now. When what does he when does he start his does he just you know snap and just I, like start? I think he just kind of snaps. Like it's you know I read a thing that later on he basically said he tries to say if he hadn't been drunk and stuff it would have just been a burglary, which that's uh, I, I call bullshit on that. Well, yeah, I call bullshit and, too because if the if you watch that prison video, yeah, and that's what I was going to point to on <clears> it, but. Um, I think that was when he was trying to use his defense of saying he was insane due to the alcohol. Yeah. But uh, basically, it just sounds like he'll he he brings up like the first woman in well, to another take, room, takes her out of the room, takes him out of that room, room and then uh, strangles her, mm-hmm. and basically continues to do that through the night. Now, and, well, before I mean, before we get into the first one, I want to point out too. At this point in time, there's seven women. Now, two more of them come home, uh-huh. and that's whenever he kind of starts this whole shindig. Now, he does take them out of the room one by one, and now he come, if he has any kind of blood on his hands at all, in between each killing, he washes his hands clean in between each and every, you know, killing. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if he, if he comes back, I mean, they obviously know... Yeah, I mean, if he's coming back and then your buddy doesn't come back... Yeah, now they're tied up, for one. But he sets the pistol down. I don't know when he takes him out. I don't know if he takes the pistol with him. Uh-huh. I would assume so since they didn't grab it. The weird thing, because a lot of what I was reading didn't talk about the pistol that much. Like, what? Well, no, he did, like he used it to to kind of get in to get in. But after that, he was he didn't he would he preferred. The, yeah. If you look back at his early times, he's got that. He likes to punch people to death, and he likes knives. Yeah, is what I'm. Now, then, you know, there's one instance where he's in a bar and. Uh-huh. They're like, hey man, why you got that big knife? He's like, oh, this is my insurance policy. <laughs> I mean, so he really likes this big knife. Yeah. But um, what what got me is because like I know my wife. All right, mm-hmm. my wife's a scrapper. All right, <laughs> like she could probably kick my butt in a heartbeat. I'm not, I'm not even lying to you. Now, like I've seen her like whenever like I'm playing around like trying to like hold her down and tickle her and stuff like when we're just goofing around like the like rage like to get out. <laughs> Uh-huh. Cause like she's claustrophobic, and if you're like you know like holding her down, you know all that stuff, she just like she's like no, I can't handle this, and like she'll like sucker punch me, and like she'll be like you know I don't like that, and then she'll start taking me. But anyway, um, like I just don't I don't see like whenever he comes back and your friend doesn't come back after you've heard the scuffle, yeah, like when do you not go like all right let's pounce? You know what I mean? I don't know if they're like too scared or if they're trying to just be like okay well. You know, maybe he'll just let us go. I mean, I'm not I'm not making light of the victims or anything like that, but, I mean, it really got me to where I was like, man, you know, like, the girls that, like, I grew up with, like, I was friends with, mm-hmm. like, 90% of them would have tried to fight, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I mean, I chalk it up. I, I, there's a few things to chalk it up to, but just now, hearing you say it in the more long form, I kind of wonder if, I, you know, I keep thinking about, well, he comes back and your friend doesn't. Yeah. But maybe he's come in and told you, I'm not trying to kill you. I just, you know, I need money or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they think that he's taking her in 
I mean, they're probably not able to think completely rationally. Maybe they're just like, there's no way he's just killed her. Maybe he's just going to go knock us out. You know, maybe they didn't quite, at least for like, a while. For me, like, getting knocked out is like a horrible alternative to beating the shit out of him and getting the hell out of there. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't even want to get knocked out. I mean, that just like, I get, I mean, I'm also a guy, so I mean, it's a lot different. Yeah, and I mean, you also maybe think, well, okay, because I didn't realize how, that we don't know exactly how much bound they were either. That's true. But, you know, if, if I'm if I'm one of them, and I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I have a chance to uh, go and get you know attack this guy and maybe get us free. If they don't help me, yeah, that, that's true. Then too. he he's either gonna get me or he's gonna rage out and he's just gonna kill all of us right now. Yeah, as if maybe he's gonna get bored with us maybe he'll let us go you know yeah. maybe they're just they don't know what to do so they're thinking we well, yeah, I mean you know and there's a lot of, like whatever these situations are coming on these are young I mean they're like our age yeah. you know what I mean and there's no telling what how any of us are going to I mean I've been in situations where I've had to react quick and I'm glad that I have I've, I've known people before that have been in a situation sort of kind of like that and they freeze I mean and that's that's not uncommon especially for young people who have never had to, they've never been around that before. Yeah. You know, if you're like, if you're used to it, or not not used to it, but, I mean, you're always kind of like expecting the unexpected, Yeah. that freezing part doesn't necessarily always happen to you. Sometimes it does. But, I mean, if you're, like, the, you know, if you're the sheltered child, or I, mean, I, I, I wouldn't even say like that, really, but if you're not expecting the unexpected sometimes, I mean, I, I think that you would probably, that, in that instance, you would probably just freeze, and that, could have, that could have very well been it, and that's not anybody's fault. That's just... Yeah, because, I mean, I imagine no matter how prepared you can be, it's still you, gonna you probably you don't know what you're going to do until you're in that situation. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they might have all just thought, well, you know, if I try to tackle him, I can't get him alone, and if no one else helps me, yeah. then he might just, you know, bust a cap in all of us right now. Yeah. Whereas, maybe if he takes one of us in here, then maybe I can get him alone enough that I can yeah. run off. Yeah. So I could see where there's, you know, they just don't know what scenario is going to play out. Mm-hmm. Um, now but, this, this all boils down until this, his last victim. Now he's scuffling with her and she says something along the lines of, I'll, I'll, I'll identify you in a police lineup or I can't remember the exact phrase that she uses, but basically she says, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to identify you in a police lineup. And he, he takes out like the she she is the worst victim now. Yeah, that's Gloria Davy. Yeah, now she is you know she's bind she's tied up, um, she's you know viciously raped, sodomized. Uh, was she stra- was she strangled? strangled her? Yeah, he strangled she, her. Okay. Um, now and that they say that you know I now I, I didn't see the crime scene photos. I don't even I didn't even look for them, but they said that hers was obviously the worst one and she was obviously the last one too the last yeah. victim now the le- now he after this he leaves yep and who what's the what's the lady's it's name this Cora Cora Amaro yeah okay now she and all this ruckus has I mean cause she's like hiding under a bed yeah and I mean, you gotta think about this it's a small room yeah and there was not there was you know including him there was nine there was ten people in there yeah 
So I can see how he like missed one, you know, or however, uh-huh. whatever. But yeah, she's through all this like hit underneath the bed, and he leaves after killing the last victim, and she I think she waits it out for for a while. It's like three because she climbs like out hours. the window. Well, she's. She's out on the balcony and she just screams and the neighbors call the cops. Because then she just say like they're all dead, all my yeah. friends are dead, mm-hmm. um, and you know so the police come, but she can identify him. So they get a sketch and she also noticed he has a born to raise hell tattoo, mm-hmm. which he got in prison. Yeah, yeah, because I mean he's been in and out of prison this whole his whole life basically. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I want to say like up until up until his last arrest, which would be for this, uh-huh. he had been arrested forty six times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like forty one, like different occasions in Dallas alone, or you know something yeah. ridiculous. Well, he, he lived the, I mean, he lived the biggest yeah, the chunk of his criminal of career. There. There. Yeah. But, um, so, but real, real quick before we get into this though, at this point in time, he's wanted in Indiana, <laughs> Indiana. Uh-huh. He's wanted in Texas. He's wanted um, in in Mammoth Monmouth. Yeah, Mammoth, <laughs> which I mean is you know Illinois, Illinois yeah. but he's wanted all over the place. Yeah, but um, which I think they said you know some of his prints are on the crime scene of this stuff. Yeah, they tie and so that later on comes up. They what? What do you, you got something to say before we get into how they caught him? Well, no, I was about to just get into okay, how go he ahead. got caught. Is how um, he you know a couple days after this mass murder, uh, he's. <laughs> drifters, Crabtree. We've been talking about drifters lately. Yeah. Um, there's a drifter named Claude Lunsfeld or Lunsford, who IDs him after he sees him and he'd seen the sketch, and they were drinking on a fire escape <laughs> somewhere in town, and um, the police confirmed that like he did call in and was just kind of like, hey, you know this guy, he matches the. Um, sketch and he's living in a motel room next to the one I'm at. Well, before this, don't all the states kind of like correlate together and get like prints and this maybe and this. they do with the prints. Well, because the the lead detective in Dallas says uh-huh. Richard Speck's the man that did it. He was like, I guarantee you right now, he's the man that did that. And he releases a picture, his mugshot from whenever he was in jail in Dallas. Uh-huh. And I think that that I think that part gets out. About the same time that the sketch does, to be completely honest with you. I'm not 100% sure, though. Okay. I don't know. I didn't read any of that, so I didn't see. I don't have any notes. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, and we're kind of fuzzy on exactly how this suicide attempt goes down. All right. Well, he's in his, you know, whatever motel room, yeah. apartment room, whatever you want to call it. And he has a big bottle of wine. He drinks the whole thing. He breaks it up against the wall. He just smashes it on the wall and uses the, you know, the glass shards or whatever to cut his wrist. He cuts both of them, and he is trying to let himself bleed out. Now, I, I from what I read and what I watched, were two different things. Yeah. So the documentary that I watched will say that he. Um, I don't, I, actually, I'm not 100 sure if it was the documentary. Anyway, one of them says that the. Um, Maid keeper, you know, the maid or the janitor guy walks into his room and finds him you uh-huh. know, shortly after. The what I, from what I read says that um, he ended up, you know, kind of pussing out or whatever, doesn't want to die, <laughs> uh-huh. and he um, calls 911 and says, you know, hey, I need help. They come and get him, all right? And then so he's in the hospital. I don't, I don't know which one of those are true. I really don't care. Yeah, um, I don't know because he eventually winds up at Cook County Hospital. Yeah. 
Um, and so he's had this attempted suicide. He's in the hospital. And there's a doctor named Leroy Smith who notices that Born to Raise Hell tattoo. Mm-hmm. So he calls the police. And they wind up coming. Mm-hmm. And that's how he gets picked up. Yeah. He doesn't well, spend any more time as a free man. No. And what... Um, now they... They have to do surgery to repair his, you know, arteries in his wrist and stuff like that. And then he gets picked up. Now, whenever they start questioning him, they ask him, you know, what happened? And he says, man, you know, if they convict me of it, I'll take it. But I was, I don't remember anything from that night. I was too drunk and this and that. Yeah. Now, they, this is kind of like where he goes into, you know, I did, I'm insane. You know, kind of like trying to get that plea bargain now. He's, there's a board of like five doctors, four psychologists, or four psychologists, um, one doctor, and something like that. You know, a couple. Of, anyway, he gets kind of partnered up with this one guy, and I can't remember his name. But um, this yeah. this guy spends a lot of one-on-one time with him in the county jail. Yeah. And you know they're going back and forth, and he's basically sticking to the same story of, well, you know. If they want to pin me for it, that I did it, I don't remember it, and this and that. Now, somehow he gets a razor blade into... He, he somehow obtains a razor blade, and he's walking up by the by the psychiatrist that's, you know, doing the most one-on-one time with him. I can't remember his name. Again, I'll, I'll say that, but... Um, he takes the razor blade and puts it to his neck, and he said, Now, if I was really crazy, and if I was the one that did this, why wouldn't I just kill you right now? <laughs> you know... Which and doesn't really help your case. Well, no, no, no. And what what happens is that psychiatrist says, "Well, because you don't have any booze or alcohol or booze or pills to take to you know lead you into this." And he he basically is just he's like, "Well, touche." Yeah. <laughs> but um, and it's funny because whenever he goes to court, you know, when he goes to trial, he's kind of back to like that same shy kid, you know, no yeah. booze. No drugs to, like, fuel his rage. Yeah. So. Which, and I imagine it's probably the same psychiatrist that you're talking about. Um, He spent a lot of one-on-one time with him. And he possibly could have helped his case, but they wouldn't let him be involved in the trial because they found out that he was trying to sell his story of the time he spent. And he did write a book and sell it. So they were just like, no, you have too much, like, you know, you're you're trying to get financial gain out of it. And they were just like, we... What, yeah. what was his, uh, his book was called Spec, wasn't it? Yeah, something, I don't something remember what the name lines. of it was. Because I, I seem like read it, but. <laughs> they had a little bit of an interview with him yeah. in one of those documentaries. And I just, I don't know, it sounded a lot like he talked to him, kind of used it for a book deal. I, I don't know. It's kind of shitty. It's kind of weird. But... I mean, hey, what, however you got to make a dollar. I mean, or, we're doing a podcast, but... Yeah, but we're not trying to make money off of it. Yeah. But, um... Uh, so, you know, he's kind of gone through his trial. There's been random, you know, things that they... He kind of tries to attribute. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, all right, so say her name one more time for me. Who's? The lady that survived. That, it's like Cora... Um... Amur- Amuro. All right. Now she you probably said it five different ways this whole episode. <laughs> well, I can't remember either one of them, so yeah, we're good. Now, um, now she's asked to come up and 
you know, state her claim uh-huh. what, during trial. And they ask her the basic question, you know, can you identify is the killer in this room? And they said that, like, most of them, most people would always just, like, point to who did it. Uh-huh. She gets down, walks right over to him and says, this is the man that committed these crimes or something like that. You know, in front of the jury, in front of the court, all this stuff, and it's not with when the when the jury kind of like conv- you know comes together and you know it doesn't take them. I can't remember. I don't think it's very long. It wasn't very long at all, and he's sentenced to what he's sentenced to death, right? Yeah, he gets a death sentence, um, which he immediately starts appealing. Yeah, he um, appeals like seven or eight different times, and it's all you know shut down. Yeah, which they eventually abolished the death penalty in Illinois, and... Now he's up for parole. Yeah, he... Well, because they change his sentence. They do it in a kind of weird way, like... Um, he actually has to go back to court. They don't have another trial, but they have a resentencing. And so the judge says that you get between 400 to 1,200 years. Like... Why can't you just say... I mean, I think there's some weird thing with, like, the judicial system. If you give somebody life, uh, and then, like, you know, 30 years down the road, if they're trying to, like, clear prisons... Yeah. If somebody's just in there for life or whatever, and they, like, really need to... You'd see this, like, a lot in, like, the old days, like the 40s and 50s. They would just be like, get out of here. Yeah, well... I don't know if that's why they do it. Well, there's a... And, I mean, this will kind of date this episode, but... um, Yesterday, they had the verdict for the Betty Shelby thing here, mm-hmm. and they were talking about, in Oklahoma, a life sentence is actually 45 years. Really? That's what they consider life. And what they were trying, what she was, she was found not guilty, but what they had charged her with was first degree manslaughter, and I guess the sentence in that goes between four years to life, and you have to serve 85% of the sentence before you can be up for parole. So they were talking about if you had a life sentence, then you would have to, like, 85% of 45 years goes yeah. by, then she's up for parole. So, so what is that, like 32 years? Yeah, it'd be like 30-something years, which makes me wonder if, because I think this is like, that's why you get that weird 400 to 1,200 years, because they had a range on what the life um, sentence oh, okay. was. That makes sense. Which also makes me think that maybe they were like, you have so many of them that it be make it harder. I mean, he obviously did go to parole like seven times, yeah. and he got shut down every time, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, now, are you got anything else you want to add? Well, that? I was just about to get into his prison life. Well, <clears throat> his first like two weeks, couple weeks, and he, he not too long into jail. Now, well, actually, I'll start when he first walks into prison. I mean, they're like scaring the shit out of him. Uh-huh. You know, like we're gonna kill you, all this stuff. Now he's there for like maybe two or three weeks, and the you know the warden is like, "Yo, we're putting you in solitary confinement." Yeah. So you know he gets into solitary confinement, and he eventually he's like, "Hey, can I you know can I paint my room?" Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, I used to ask my parents that, you know, it was like kind of like, wow, you know, <laughs> yeah, this would be like a full turn for me if <laughs> if this ever happened to me. But no, um, you know, he does such a great job on it, you know, whatever. <laughs> so they uh. They eventually, like, they assign him to paint in the entire solitary confinement, you know, area. Yeah, it becomes, like, his prison job is to just, like, paint the rooms paint and stuff. Paint and stuff. Um, he gets raisins. <laughs> yeah, he starts making toilet wine. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he sticks it, I don't, what is it, like, in the, uh, 
in the sewer system or in like the back of his. I think they they normally like put it in the back of the toilet and then it just like ferments. That's that's gross. Yeah. So prison hooch. Yeah. So he's just like making prison hooch. Um, I mean, I imagine selling it, drinking it. Yeah. Um, I imagine it doesn't taste good. Oh, no. <laughs> it's toilet wine. Um, no. But. He, <laughs> now, with working and stuff like this, he's working for the prison, you know, painting these rooms, and I'm probably doing more odd jobs in and out. Yeah. Now, he eventually gets, like, an outside connection somewhere on there. He gets in, like, cigarettes and um, some drugs, and he um, he also gets, like, these... Hormone pills, yeah. female hormone pills, it's estrogen pills, which is, I've I did a little bit of research, just you know, if if someone is um, transitioning like a transgender person, you know they have to go to like a psychiatrist and they have to spend so long living in the gender they're wanting to be in before they get hormones, mm-hmm. and they they do this they do these. Uh, it's a really long process before you actually, I guess, finish all the, like, surgeries and stuff. Because they don't... They want to give these people a chance to, like, back out. But I guess there's also... I'm surprised he didn't die from it. And he might have led to his early death mm-hmm. um, taking them because it can really affect, like, your heart and stuff. Because you're just taking random dosages of well, hormones. I'm sure that and cocaine don't mix well. <laughs> yeah, that you're not really supposed to have yeah. in your body anyways. Um, but so, like, this... There's a tape made in, like, 1988, but it comes to light in 1996, which is after his death. Yeah. He died in, like, 92. No, he died in 91. He 91, died... The day before one, his birthday. The day before his 50th birthday. Yeah, so he's 49. He looked, like, old. Oh, yeah. Looked, yeah well, time even, had not been... <laughs> even when he was young, his face was all, like, you know, pockmarked or whatever, you blemished. I don't know whatever you'd call that, but yeah. he just has, like, these... Looks like he got peppered with a shotgun or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. And, um... So... In 1996, they they use this video. They show it to like a some higher up political people in the just to like try to reinstate the death penalty. I think part of it was that they wanted prison reform because they were trying to show just like terrible stuff right. that's going on in prison. This is in prison. Now yes. this the guy like the he, guy with the camera is a prisoner. Like yeah. they got a camera in, and they're specking the corner, and there's another man right beside him. Okay, yeah. now. It cuts to one scene, and this guy has, like, a plate. Yeah. And it's just, like, stacked, like, Al Pacino style with, like, cocaine. It's a lot of coke. Now, Richard Speck is sitting there with these, like, saggy tits. Yeah. Like, the the hormone treatments gave him, like, female breasts. Or, yeah. You know, he was work, working towards getting female breasts. Well, it looked like 50-year-old breasts, so. Yeah. If that's what 50-year-old, if I can assume what 50-year-old breasts look like. But, they're... He's talking, he's talking about, well, how long have you liked fucking guys? <laughs> and he's like, oh, forever. Or, you know, how, yeah. however he says this. And, um. Cause he's just like, they say something along the lines of, do you like having sex with men? He's like, sure. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And he, um, the guy that's recording says, well, you got on them silk panties? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, yeah, I do. You want me to take my pants off? Yeah. Takes his pants off and he's got these, you know, silk panties that... He smuggled in, I guess. Uh, he's shirt. He's got his shirt off. There's these, you know, tits hanging out. 
Yeah. It's just a horror. It's, <laughs> you know, it's one of those. But, you know, because what well, we found the bit of video that was in that documentary, mm-hmm. but the video itself lasts like two hours. I, You know, I think that's on YouTube. <laughs> well, it might be. I, I don't know how much of it they released. Like, because... I looked up, like, Richard Speck documentaries, uh-huh. and, like, seven or eight of them were, like, in the prison. Really? So, like, I'm guessing that it was, like, you know, seven or eight, like, you know, bits and pieces of it. Of that. I don't know. I, I watched the documentary, and at the end, at, towards the end of the documentary, there's pieces of it in there, and that's what I watched. But, you know, it, it, there comes a you know a point in time where he's like, well, did you murder the, hey, what are you in here for? And he's like, murder of eight women. And it, did you do it? Yeah, I did it. And then he's you know, basically like, well, do you feel remorse? It's like, no, I don't feel remorse. I don't care. Something along those lines. Yeah, he was like, it just wasn't their night. Yeah, just what he's, yeah, because that guy asked, well, why'd you do it? I was like, well, it just wasn't their night. Yeah. And, you know, after they're, they're talking to him about, you know, how does he like having sex with men, he says something, like the quote is, if they knew how much fun I was having in here, they'd turn me loose. Yeah, and that's, I think that's probably what, they were yeah I think that was what they were really wanting to sh- well that and like the just mountain of cocaine on a tray okay yeah and this like cause he says that after they do their do their lines or yeah. whatever but um now the guy that's sitting there holding the cocaine he like takes some of it and like puts it on his thigh <laughs> and Richard yeah. Speck you know comes over there and you know does the line off of his thigh which I'm just like okay we get it you're gay yeah <laughs> we, we get it that you enjoy this but like come on yeah I don't know what he was trying to prove, but I think you know, I think I think he really had like a a theory behind it, to where it was like, okay, well, if I grow some tits, and I can like pull all this stuff together, and I can like you know, this gay stuff, <laughs> then uh, maybe they won't kill me. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, he's not gonna. There's no death penalty. He's not gonna die. He's going to be in there for the rest of his life. Might as well make the most out of it. Might as well not die by yeah. a shank. Because that's so. what we were talking about before we started was like he – because, you know, some of the guys in the documentary were like, well, he probably had a fate worse than death because they were probably prostituting him out and stuff. Yeah, but he liked it. Yeah. he. I mean, he was saying he liked it. Sorry for the dramatic thunder. Um, but, you know, if somebody liked it or whatever, I, I just – I think that – as you said, he's he probably thought I'm not getting out of here. I mean, he had that line where he was like, "Yeah, I'll probably get out of here soon. I'm gonna go work at a like own a grocery store." <laughs> like that was his plan. But um, <laughs> but he probably thought, "Well, this is something I can do that is gonna get the, these guys are no longer wanna, gonna want to kill me." Yeah, like he has something that they're gonna want, so yeah. they're gonna keep him around, and they're probably gonna be. I mean, he's having sex with them. But they're probably being at least kind of nice yeah. to most of you know because they're they're probably not really having to force him because no. it's probably just kind of his plan. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. Which so, another big thing about the tape was he never really wanted to confess fully about what he had done, and he didn't really like to talk to journalists. I think he had like one interview in the seventies or something. Yeah. Where they said he might have just kind of admitted that he had done it like he would talk as if he had done it but that's the first time where he was just so blatantly like yep yeah, I did it yeah I mean we come a long way from well if I did it I was blacked out I don't remember anything and yeah so we, yeah we've come a long way since then yeah so I'm glad he finally admitted to it before he died yeah <laughs> I wonder if he 
I imagine he probably didn't think anybody was ever going to get that tape. (laughs) (laughs) My first question would have been, well, how'd you get the camera? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a lot of things. Well, they have like a mountain of coke. (laughs) So, yeah. I'd like to try to sum that they're cocaine. (laughs) But they have that. The devil's flower. Yeah. (laughs) Do Do you smoke the devil's celery? But, um, yeah, that's pretty much Richard. Well, Speck. you know, we'll, we've got, we've forgot the most important detail. Um, December, December 5th, 1991. Yeah. Day before his 50th birthday, hours before his 50th birthday, actually, you know, it's towards the end of the night, nine o'clock. I don't really know. don't really care. <laughs> but, uh, he complains of chest pains. They get, they get him to a doctor and he dies of a heart attack. Now, this is what we were talking about earlier, where with the hormones that you're technically not supposed to have in your body, yeah. possibly mixed with insurmountable amounts of cocaine, cigarettes. <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> semen. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, yeah. that that could have possibly led to his heart attack. I'm not 100% sure, but anyway, he dies of a heart attack. and Yeah, I mean, I imagine none of that's good on your system. No. Like, if you're taking an unregulated amount of a hormone that your body doesn't, it makes a little bit of it, but it doesn't predominantly make that yeah. for you. It's probably not, you know, it's just not a good combination. No, a, not a good combo, but anyway, he deserved to die. <laughs> we we were kind of offensive this episode, but we were talking about a pretty shitty dude. Yeah, we, we've talked about shitty dudes before, but it's just like, uh, like... I don't care. I really don't. <laughs> like, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> you have no idea the things I've read. <laughs> like, yeah. We, uh... It always seems to come back to some kind of gay thing. Like, I, I, I feel like we... That's where we stumble on handling how well we talk about them. <laughs> no, Alright, well, first of all... As because, our track record has played out. <laughs> and, you know, like... I don't... Like I said before, like, I'm not... I don't have any problem with... Okay, even with hom- you know, homosexual, homosexual people, you know, <laughs> however, however you say it, but like you'll find like a lot of the like with like Albert Fish, yeah. right? I mean, like he was, you know, he, he was, you know, kind of fruity, you know, <laughs> we'll call it that. Uh, <laughs> who do we got? Like John Wayne Gacy. When yeah. his his first kill was was like, after a big tirade of gay sex. Well, well, yeah, his was like an accident. Well, yeah, I mean, it was an accident, but still, I mean... But like, he'd been he'd been molesting boys. Like, his was a really weird thing because it's, his dad had this thing where he was really against, against homosexual people. people yeah. and he called them fruit pickers. Yeah. And it was like, they have interviews of John Wayne Gacy where he's like, I ain't no fruit picker. Yeah. But he would try to say, like, well, I've been married and I have kids. And it's just like, yeah. yeah but, so you're, like, bisexual. But yeah, of, his, you know? but his first kill... Was the morning after he had? Yeah, the the like a he had an underage boy that he picked up at a Greyhound bus, and they uh, he he came to the doorway holding a knife because he had just made him breakfast. He made like him a, breakfast, yeah, like a good little <laughs> yeah, like a good little play toy. And uh, John Wayne Gacy like freaks out and kills him, and it, like the last podcast guys have really. I mean, they kind of make fun of the... They don't make fun of the victims, but sometimes it comes across that way. But they were like, that was a day that he found out he liked two breakfasts. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> There's like two plates of bacon. But, um... What is this? Yeah, yeah. But no, like, I mean, like... With... Jeffrey Dahmer. I mean, like, you find... 
homosexuality a lot whenever you're looking up and I, these people. I mean, it's... I find it... It's kind of a sad thing, because it's like... John Wayne Gacy and Dahmer... It's all... It's... They obviously had issues, definitely. Yeah. But it's kind of like... I, I would like to see what would happen if they had grown up in, like, that climate that we have, where it's... I mean, there's places where it's really still kind of frowned upon, but you can be open about it and not... It's not well, going mean, to really like, affect your life. You, but, yeah, but you have more people there, like, with you. I mean, like, there's more... There's a lot more now. supportive people. Yeah. Like, I don't... I don't... Wouldn't say that it's more gay people now. It's just more... It's more comfortable for them to be open. Yeah. So, like, when they grew up, it was, you know... It was better Highly for them. Upon. You know, because, like, Dahmer, he got away with it so long because there was a couple of guys that had kind of gotten away and he had done some questionable stuff and, like... But they didn't want to admit they were gay. I mean, even yeah. the guy that um, that he they finally got caught on, he, you know, he goes and has a story, a version of things that happened. Dahmer says it didn't happen that way. The guy just came to my apartment and then he got out and yeah. like, it, so you know, it's it's just this weird thing of the cops don't want to deal with it. They're not open talking about gay stuff. Yeah, and the gay people don't want to admit they're gay. But yeah, I mean, so I mean, it's not like we're just like. Picking stories just like make fun of gay people or anything like that. I'm like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not gonna make fun of any gay person, but um, anyway, Richard Speck, flaming. <laughs> I'll, 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 make, I'll make fun of him. I just, fuck it's, him. It's just ridiculous. Like the, I mean, we were calling him the Tit Man, which is just like, yeah, like we, all right. I now, couldn't remember his name every time because I'd heard the case before, but I always just remembered the prison video of yeah. him having breasts. Watch it much, do you? All the time. <laughs> well, I hadn't actually seen it until we started doing the research. Yeah. Um, but, like, My Favorite Murder had talked about him once, and last podcast had talked about him, yeah. and I was just like, what? What? <laughs> All right, but check this out, though. Like, what are we, like, 15 episodes in right now? Yeah, this is episode 15. Okay, so, like, looking back at our, like, our first cases, yeah, and, like, the transition to, like, oh, well, we're all tentative, and... Like, not stepping on any, t- any toes and walking on eggshells to, like, now, like, fuck you, Richard Speck. <laughs> like, and that's when we're going to get all the letters. Yeah. <laughs> like, his daughter's going to be like... He has feelings, too. <laughs> Shut up. I am, like, I'm hoping that if someone ever does get mad enough at us that they don't take legal action. Like That would suck. Like, it's just like, because we can just take the episode down. Like, yeah, I'd, like I'd rather just get a cease and desist letter and then desist talking about that thing. <laughs> Yeah, you won't ever hear any more blab out of me. Just don't sue me, please. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can't afford it. I'm still paying off one lawyer for my divorce. <laughs> but anyway, that's Robert... What's his name? Speck. Richard Speck. Richard Speck. <laughs> Robert Speck. I don't even know his Robert name. Robert Spock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh... uh yeah. That, that was him. Uh, I hope we pull somebody out like I really... Like, one of those topics that I, like, I really want to cover... Because the last person that we covered that I really wanted to cover was Baton Rouge. <laughs> so that was episode seven. Yeah, so. been a long ways. <laughs> well, with that being said, I guess we'll uh, pull, pull together and get our hat ready. Yep. And uh, we'll be back in a second. All right. Well, we're back. Yep. Man, we've been going. This is probably like this is probably end up going to end up being one of our longest episodes. Yeah, it is. All right, now I have to go in and cut some of the bullshit from when we were like, uh, but uh.
See, y'all don't get that because I try to cut a lot well, of now they would have never out. known about it if you would have shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Delete. Start over. <laughs> no, I want to apologize for the uh, storms. We can't control Mother Nature, so sorry. <laughs> yeah, so get off her back, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and my wife, I'm sorry that she worries about me. And uh, my grandpa called because it was raining and we had a tornado. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a... Uh... It's actually been an interesting night. Now... If we would have recorded when I first got here, which me and Drew fall into like this bad habit of, <laughs> I think it's a great habit. All right, well, see, <laughs> the thing about it is, like, you have to be up in six hours, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So whenever I come up over here on midnight shift, I get off at eight, go to sleep around like eleven thirty, wake up at four in the <laughs> evening, come over here around like five thirty, and I have to go back to work at midnight. Yeah. So it's just like. If we if we could cut the bullshit down just a little bit, Drew, we'd have more time to like rest. <laughs> Team no sleep. Yeah. No, I'd be mean, like I agree, but it's, but it, like, it's part of the fun. It's part of, like honestly, I mean you live an hour away. Yeah. And I work shift work, and you work in Tulsa, so it's cool that we you know now if just if if Tony. <laughs> Would just join in on the fun, you know? Because the thing is, he wouldn't even have to come to every episode. No, he could just like join. Like, like oh, he could hey, just pop in when he wants to. Tony's here today. Yeah, but he's a little bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He just hey. So like, if Tony's busy, now I think we might have said this before, but if Tony's busy <laughs> or he can't make it to whatever you're asking him about, or he just doesn't feel like talking to you, he just won't text back. But now if he texts you and you don't text back. <laughs> He blows your phone up. Yeah. You've never got this many messages in a day. It's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> Answer me. Yeah. But uh, I'm sorry I got sidetracked just a little bit. There was a tree through this woman's car. We're still watching the news. <laughs> We're watching, yeah, we have the news on mute. But anyway. Because um, we, we can't commit to one activity. <laughs> <laughs> We're multitasking. It's how you're successful. Learn from us. Yeah. <laughs> but no. Uh, this is a very, like, not well put together episode. <laughs> episode. I think it's fun and interactive, Drew. It is fun. I do think so. But no, it's it's cool for us that we get to ramble on about our lives and talk crap while we're here, and then we'll eventually get around to recording. But right now, it's midnight. So, yeah. like, if I had to be at work at midnight, I'd be late. <laughs> as soon as, yeah. I, as soon as I work an hour away from here, I'd be super late. Yeah. yeah. And you have to be at work in seven hours and 54 minutes and some change. Yeah, but it's an hour drive, so I gotta get up early yep to do that bullshit yeah jobs responsibilities <laughs> what do I need money for podcast podcast <laughs> get a checklist just think if we ha- if we were able to do this professionally then we could just like like man if I like alright cause like you see like those podcast people that like they don't have jobs like yeah. they make money off their podcast so like that's how <laughs> like that, like they make a lot of money off of it and yeah. like you listen to him like, man, this is like so heavily researched. Yeah. And it's just like, oh yeah. You record twice a week and you get to like spend all your time Actually researching. researching. Yeah. So I mean like. They have an advantage. Which they had to start out somewhere. So. Oh yeah. Well, you see all those people are like, if you listen to their episodes, they're like, you know, the best one is like last podcast on the left. I, yeah. In between them and like the Sofa King people, like to me, like those are the best ones. Now. The last podcast on the left, guys, like, they're, like, so heavily, like, you, if you, if you listen to podcasts, you've probably already heard of them, but, like, they are just, like, in-depth on every little thing, it's, it's awesome to listen to, like, that, 
I appreciate all the time that they put into it. Now, for us, yeah. on the other hand, like I didn't even come with notes. Like everything, <laughs> that, everything that I said was like off the top of my head, and then, like it's facts. I'm not lying to you, people. But <laughs> You're just like spouting bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we talking about? He was a B cup, not an A cup. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot to measure his process. Yeah. Well, yeah, if we had a sponsor right now for like. It's like that bra company that sponsors a lot of uh, podcasts. Yeah. Like, this would be a great time to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, Richard Speck would have loved this bra. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, all right. So let's, much support. <laughs> doesn't hurt my back at all. <laughs> but anyway, let's get in and draw from the hat. Drew, it's your turn. It's my turn. Pick a good one. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Pick a fun one. Do we have any fun ones? Let me, this became a fun now. We have just terrible murders in here. Oh. Um, so that's like the... Oh, you're going to hate... It's a Mortier. It's Amos Mortier. Yay! <laughs> I, I don't know shit about him. It's actually a really weird case. Uh, there's a, a podcast called The Vanish. I feel like you could set up every case we cover. <laughs> yeah, but this one's... Because this one's... Um, I honestly don't remember... They, they never found him. This guy disappeared. But the... Well, that's next week's episode for you. <laughs> Should we draw out of the hat? It's my turn this week, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because there's a lot of a big conspiracy oh, that goes fun. around it. So, um, the fact that they never found him, if you look him up, you're going to find that out real quick. Awesome. Um, but it's... Uh, we need to throw some conspiracy theories. Like, not just like... Murder in here. We need to throw some conspiracy theories. The dogs are awake, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and, been uh, good this whole time. We'll be back next week with more Hat Trick Podcast. I'll see you guys later. All right. Oh, and don't drink. And um, what did he do? He drank a lot. And took pills. He drank a lot and took pills. Don't drink and take pills, please. Have a good week. <laughs>